Welcome to the Mega Blast Podcast. I'm your host, Jason McDonald. My goal is to get to the truth through conversation. The Mega Blast Podcast is produced by Arts and Opinion, an online journal housed at the Archives of Canada. Visit us at artsandopinion.com. I hope you enjoy today's guest. So welcome, Mark Gabriel. How you doing? I'm good, brother. What's going on with you? Good, good. I'm doing well. Lots going on. Uh, as usual, I'm busy and I know you're <laughs> running around real busy. <laughs> so uh, I'm here with Mark Gabriel uh, is uh, many things. Uh, musician, uh artist you know um and among other things man you know television developer different things uh I, the purpose of this podcast is to talk about um music specifically you're a musician and um our musical influences and so on um but just before we get started do you want to tell listeners a bit about yourself uh, yeah, well, I mean, I'm, um, yeah, I mean, it all, like all the stuff that, you know, we'll get to, I'm sure we'll get to a lot of it today, even though the focus is the music stuff. But for me, it all comes from the same place. So, you know, I'm, um, I'm kind of an idea, kind of sparky, kind of generator kind of person. And so, you know, sometimes those, those things come out as, uh, as visual expression, and I need to kind of paint them or maybe think of a graphic novels and, uh, or for the, you know, for like you were saying, the better part of my life, uh, my career was in film um, as a production designer, um, which came from the visual side of what I do, illustration. Uh, I went to school for illustration. And um, so um, they're all kind of, all the things are connected. And it just sort of depends on the what the idea that sort of comes to me on a certain day, what, you know, how it gets executed. Is it a three-minute pop song or or is it something else and sometimes that's the fun part trying to just determine what that is um how i'm going to spend my time um and sometimes it's super frustrating but i um yeah man i've been um uh an artist my whole life it's sort of you know it's hard to call yourself an artist when you're young it sounds kind of pretentious but um (laughs) when i can i can number the things that i'm definitely not you know it took me more about figuring out what I'm not, what I definitely can't do in this life. And so it, it's uh it was a, it was a conclusion that I came to, you know, fairly early. That's kind of what I, what I am and what I do. And so, yeah, I've been a professional visual artist and musician um, for a uh, long yeah, time, for a long time since I've known you, man, you were, I think pretty much my first friend. Yeah, no, that's something I, I wanted just to mention a little bit. But what? This is not a random happenstance. So just before I want to get back to what you said in just a minute, but I, listeners should understand that Mark and I have known each other uh, what forty-five years, forty years, something really long time. I mean, we our yeah. houses were two, two, <laughs> two, 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 two houses house apart. Our houses. Yeah. <laughs> so we were kids, you know. We were we we would go play together. You know, back in I guess. It seems like the way we grew up is now kids don't grow up that way. Like we would just kind of go out in the streets and walk around and just play stuff. And, you know, 
now things are way more organized. We were always kind of running around in the schoolyard and doing things and, <laughs> you know. I mean, that's uh, the joke, right? When the streetlights come on, you got to yeah, go home. Right. But even then. My mom used to tell me that. Yeah, when the lights come on, you got to come home. Okay. You know. <laughs> so we've known each other. I don't know if you remember my dad, uh, my dad blowing a weird trumpet. You remember oh. that? <laughs> yeah. This, it was a giant horn that was like a, it was like a, uh, Kind of like an uh, Alpen horn or something. Yeah, <laughs> like that thing. yeah. He would stand on the back back deck when he couldn't find us or you know couldn't call it. We were out of range. He would blow this thing, and it, it was uh, it was like the whole neighborhood. Oh had man, to go home. that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's something that's happened since because just for listeners to so understand. So we grew up together, and then as we got into our teenage years, I think we went to different schools and, and stuff. You were at Malvern. Uh, we grew yeah. up in Toronto, both of us, and uh, that's where we're from. And um, anyway, uh, and then at some point we kind of separated, and then I went to a different school at one point, and then you went to a different one, and you know we kind of diverged. Yeah, uh, we stayed in contact, and then when I was about eighteen or nineteen, I took off and came to Montreal, and I, I've been here ever since. And so that, yeah. uh, you know, but uh, we've been back in touch on and off over the years. But anyway, it's just listeners should understand that. We're not strangers. <laughs> Let's put it that way, right? Yeah, no, we, we, there's history and also a pretty big musical one too, which you yeah, know, we, yes, which started really. Yeah. Yes, good. That, that's I want to get to that, but I just I just wanted to comment a little bit on what you said. It's very interesting. So it sounds like you you have something like a, like an inspiration of some kind. Like you sense something and you got you know I want to express this thing, and then then after you have that, what is it like a feeling? You have to go and figure out: Am I gonna paint this? Am I gonna, you know, how how am I gonna bring this into the world? Almost like you're giving birth or something. Yeah, I'm I'm a lamb, you know, I'm watching yeah. here. But it's it sounded like you, it's like a sensation of some kind or something. Is that how, way to describe it? I'm not sure if I understand. It's a it's a lot more specific or visceral than than just. I mean, it it's um, I mean, I I think when David Lynch talked about you know, his transcendental um, process going down to the lake, you know, I don't know if we'll get, get into Maybe that. Maybe you could but... tell listeners, I, I I know David Lynch, but I'm not familiar with that. Maybe you could just recount he, that. Well, he would, he would talk about when he was on uh, looking for ideas specifically, you know, um, hunting or fishing for ideas uh, in his, in his world, he, he gets into, he's into transcendental meditation and he has been for a long time. And the way he describes it is descending into, down to a, uh, a lake that, you know, is, um, I mean, deep in the earth kind of lake. Um, and for him, it's a very physical thing. He, he, I don't know if he actually feels like he's getting wet or if that's even important, but the idea is that this lake is where these ideas are. And he basically fishes for them or, you know, and so, I mean, I, I can kind of relate. I'm not as much into meditation or at least um, as disciplined as, as a transcendentalist, but I, uh, I could tell you that the ideas feel as solid as, you know, pulling a, a, a fish, fish out of a yeah, yeah, like it actually has weight, like you can feel yeah. it as you're getting at it or something. You also. smell it, you, yeah, yeah it, it, you know, and it's... Um, so it's physical. There's a physical... It's very physical, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and okay. it can be... It can be super dramatic, you know, like you said, like giving birth. I mean, that's pretty dramatic. Um, or it can be <laughs> yeah. just, uh, you know, something's tickling your toes or whatever, you know, while you're standing in the water. But it's like, you know, determining what that is 
with that, you know, and it's an idea, it's a creative impulse. It's a, uh, you know, and again, for me, it's not necessarily, I mean, I'm using the fish thing, um, but cause it's a good way to describe it, but it's, um, you know, for me, it's like a channeling, right. It's sort of, it is like uh, being right. open to whatever, you know, the artists have talked about it that way too. You know, you just sort of, you're open to the, to the cosmos or whatever. And the, the channels open and stuff just comes through. Yeah. You know? And I've been like that my whole life. Um, and figuring out how you know how, how to access it and use it and yeah. channel it and all that, right? That's and then how to right. execute what those things are because they're they're literally like you know I mean a fish. You know what a fish is when I when I tell you you could probably picture what that is. But when it's a when it's an idea, a creative idea, it's not necessarily as formed. Even though it, like it's we were saying, it is very kind of physical. Um, it doesn't feel ethereal in that way. It feels like heavy sometimes, like big, but right. you don't know what it is. And so determining what it is, is a big part of, for me, the fun part of the creative process. Like I said, mostly fun. Sometimes it's super frustrating um, figuring out what it is. And you can go in, you know, down a certain path and realize, yeah, this is not a three minute pop song. This has to be, right. you know, this has to be kind of prose, you know, 300 page prose or something, you know. This is, it's really interesting because the way you're describing this, it like, it, it makes me think, we use the word creativity for artists. So it's sort of you it's sort of like we imagine an artist sort of makes something out of nothing. But the way you're describing it, it's like these things are somewhere in the world in some almost like another dimension or something, right? Yeah. And you're That's kind of like, like they have to kind of come up and touch you, or you know, and then you can get at them, and then you you know, it's so it's not creativity is almost like a discovery. The way you the way you're described, the way I'm I'm understanding what you're saying. I don't know if that it's accurate. Yeah. No, it is. It is accurate. I mean, there's a part of me that feels like, you know, um, I don't want to take all that credit for this thing. Yeah. You know, I, there's, there's, I'm not that good. A, right. <laughs> right. And, and not just because I don't want to appear, you know, not humble and a little bit, you know, like egotistical, but also because it, it does, you know, when it's, when the process has worked out great, um, I'm as surprised by what has uh materialized yeah. as, as the as the next person you know who, who didn't have any involvement in the creation of it you know so uh it's it's kind of a magical process in that way and also i mean i could talk about this for a long time but also the other part of it is um if you don't act on those things which i think is the artist's original sin you know to not to not um to not act on your creative inspiration impulse and and do the thing that's been divine to you in whatever way um it, it'll show up for somebody else and every artist <laughs> has a version of that right yeah. where it's like oh I, I didn't do that and you and you fucking you know come up with that a couple years later you robbed you know, me same thing right? yeah right? yeah <laughs> I, yeah. I feel like they're out there you know these things are out there and and it's you know and it doesn't have to, i mean i'm talking in kind of maybe sort of psychobabbly spiritually kind of a way that's just sort of how I, I process the thing. But it's, you know, it's also, it's very much um, related to the input, um, yeah. which is also a huge part, obviously, of, of the creative process is what the world, what's happening in the world, what, what, mm. what things you're letting into you, you know, are you watching certain shows, reading certain things? Um, Collective you know, consciousness in some senses, right? There's, yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, it's, it's a bit of that collective consciousness thing, right? Where it, where we're all getting fed this thing. And, you know, there's only so many ways to process that information, you know, maybe there's a thousand, maybe there's a million ways, but there's, 
but there's yeah, only a only a few coherent ways, right? Yeah, there are there are it's, there are millions of ways to organize anything. I mean, like if you took a bookshelf and wanted yeah. to books, you could literally there are almost an infinite number of different ways you could do them by size, you could do them alphabetically. You could, but if you were to make a coherent, there's only so many ways that are really kind of coherent that really kind of work, right? Yeah. So well, that's your I mean, job that's, is that's finding the question, one of those, isn't it? Right. I mean, that's the question. And every artist, and I think this is what makes art amazing, um, is that every artist or every creative person, um, which is a distinction that we can talk about later, but, uh, you know, uh, we'll get impulses, we'll get, um, could get everyone, you know, you take four or five people in the same room getting the same impulses and they're all going to express it differently. And that's that's really the, the, yeah. the, the joy of, of it, you know, and also the savior, right? When you're, I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, when you get into those dark spaces where, you know, it's like, what the what's the point of the whole thing? You know, does anybody care? No one bought that last record I put out. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, the, the thing that keeps you going, you know, and, ult and, and ultimately, right, it's all been done before. We've all we've all heard it before. <laughs> we've all, you know, yeah. the, the answer is that gets you up in the morning and, you know, and into the studio is that you, no one no one's heard your version of that yet yeah you know, so. and a little bit of you, what you're describing too is a little bit of insecurity you don't want to think you want to be like god i don't know if i'm really good enough because i'm hearing a, a lot of self-doubt which is not a bad thing right you need there's a tension you want to be confident you can bring something to the world and do something well but you don't want to be have hubris or be arrogant and uh, you want to also think is this really good are people going to like this uh do i like i mean this? i think that's important i don't know some, some artists really they blow me away with their hubris you know they're really yeah. <laughs> they're sure of themselves you know i mean i look at like henry rollins and i i know he can be self-depreciating too but um you know that i sort of go you know how how do you have such confidence like talking like that you know um but it's amazing it's amazing I he mean, is I, exceptional i mean henry wallace <laughs> can do so many things yeah. so i mean if i was yeah. as exceptional as him maybe i would be arrogant too right you know because mm -hmm. i mean <laughs> okay yeah. um listen that this is really really interesting I'm, I'm you know i do have a feeling we could probably we, we should definitely return to this as we have our conversations <laughs> i'm sure we will but yeah because this is a really really deep theme like, we started off with this heavy duty thing which is great but <laughs> Um, let's in a future talk. I'm just on a, a side note for our listeners. I'm hoping at some point to Mark lives in Mexico. Uh, for anyone listening, in uh, in Lower Baja California, and so um, at some point I plan to go out and visit just for a vacation. So we plan to do a in person one. I was thinking if I do that, we could do the art one because I'll be seeing your art, right? I'll be like, I mean, be great. Yeah. seeing it, right? Which would be great. I've seen you. You're a very good artist. I really liked your. Um, uh, the stuff I've seen in your galleries, but the, yeah, but let's get to the music. So yeah. um, we both, you know, grew up in, we're almost identical in age, almost down to the day, right? We're both gener generation Xers born in both born in 72. I think both in April, right. We're like eight days apart or something. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so we have like almost an identical, and we grew up in the same place and kind of the same influences. So just to describe to our listeners, the 1980s, I suppose, late 70s, uh, you know, we had different family backgrounds, but we both were, our, my parents at least, were all into like the sort of 60s stuff, like the, the, the baby boomer rock and roll of, you know, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones yeah. and the... And the you know, the uh, Rod Stewart, like really, really good stuff. But it was, 
clear to me. I don't know if you had this sense that it was not us, all that stuff. It was like, and so something I just want you to talk a little bit about was when, when on my 12th birthday, my brother, shout out to CJ McDonald of San Francisco, yeah. California. He, he got us tickets for all of us, for you and me to go see the clash. So this is yeah. 1984 Maple Leaf Gardens, Toronto, Canada. It was a combat rock tour, right? Yeah. So we went yeah. to this thing, and boy, that was a fucking amazing show. It was the first big stu- you know, stadium show I'd ever seen. And so did we determine was that uh, 83 or 84? Is that you? I think it's 84. We, yeah, we should we could confirm that. I'm pretty sure it was my 12th birthday. My brother was I'm in secondary sure school. Uh, at Malvern and and you and I, I guess we were, I don't know, at Bombay Beach or wherever we were, Spectrum or something. I can't, maybe even I can't remember. But anyway, I, I think it was my 12th birthday. Might have been 13. Yeah. But anyway. No, I think 12 makes sense. Yeah, because it feels like after that, I as I remember that after that, the clash kind of blew in Supernova. They weren't, they came back with that English, whatever it was, This Is England or whatever it was a few years later. Yeah, well, my understanding is that actually, and this is this is this came later, was that Mick Jones actually wasn't on that tour, or he he, he didn't oh, make the show okay. in Toronto. Interesting. Yeah, so it was it was Joe Strummer, and I mean, I think all the yeah. others, Topper Head On, and right, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the fantastic drummer. I mean, because the Clash. I mean, one thing I've learned to appreciate more as an adult is just how incredibly amazing they are musically. I yeah. mean, yeah, you know, just absolutely sharp, and you know, they didn't know how to do anything. I don't know if you know yeah. this about them. They they saw the Sex Pistols and then they sort of picked up a guitar. Apparently, that happened yeah. in England at that time. Everyone saw the Sex Pistols and they, and so they learned how to play like in like a year, just like you know. And then they turned into this incredible band. But you told me I, that show. Yeah, I do know that about them. They, yeah, they yeah. I, and I have to say that just quickly that that would be that defined also my musical career. That aesthetic that. Because I wasn't necessarily a punk rocker, although you know the Clash, the Clash changed my my world. That concert, you know, changed my whole world. But um, uh, it's the it's the punk ethos, the the do it yourself thing that yeah, that yeah. really made it okay yeah. for me to to become a musician to start well, doing I, it. I yeah. love that. See, when, 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 so this is around when we were that age. I, I got so the Clash. I was into the Clash and the Sex Pistols, and I was really into some of these other bands that were like from California. I don't know, like Dead Kennedys and stuff like that, that kind of thing. And that was yeah. all built into the, the, the punk movement. Effectively, was from what I could can understand about it was because you know, but by, by the seventies, there was all these sort of slick progressive rock music had become much more formulaic in a certain sense because it had you know it was less um, uh, you know pushing the boundaries and more how do we sell this album and sort of whatever right so you had pink floyd and i mean a lot of good music was made under that rubric but the punk movement seemed to be and you know it was also very professionalized right it was these sort of progressive rock guitarists who were these virtuosos or whatever you know right and the punk movement seemed to be saying that that's a bunch of bullshit you know that if you can if you can learn how to play guitar and you can have a certain sound that's you right you can be you and you can learn how to like what you were describing earlier about bringing every artist bringing something to the world right yeah yeah um so anyway um i i just i don't know if you because you told me that that show was transformative for you uh and it yeah was, i mean an amazing show i wonder if you wanted to talk a little bit about that or i don't know <laughs> it's pretty it was a great show i mean 
Well, I, you know, Maple Leaf Gardens, right? And that would be, you know, uh, a sad day when that place was torn down or, you know, decommissioned as a, as a concert venue. But I mean, that was my first big rock show. I, uh, I have to admit that I, I think before that I may have seen Olivia Newton-John with my family at, um, <laughs> at not CNE Stadium, but there was the varsity stadium at CNE, you know, the smaller stadium. Okay. And yeah. we were big, my family, we were big music. Uh, we love musicals and stuff. As a little kid, you know, I was super into, you know, South Pacific and Fiddler on the Roof and we, you know, so when Greece came along, it was sort of a huge thing for us as kids and so yeah, but um, but really the clash like um, it shook me out of. It really started me down the path of what kind of music uh, you know touched me, and not just you know was through osmosis of being in a musical family, you know, and right. Um, so and, and also you know being a kid, I mean I was fairly, fairly sheltered, you know, middle classy kind of you know, good neighborhood and stuff. I felt like there's some real danger. <laughs> you know <laughs> transgression sounds like right yeah yeah and, like and i think that you know that really shook like shook me right down to the you know to Foundation. the innards yeah so it, it, so yeah, it engaged me and it, i wouldn't i wouldn't revisit it like in uh wholeheartedly probably until more like high school uh which i guess is just a few years later but at that um, age that's a big difference right you know two years yeah. right yeah. yeah yeah huge huge yeah, because yeah, I was always been like a pop guy, you know, like, you know, besides the musicals and stuff, I was always like, uh, you know, Beach Boys and, um, you know, my mom was into, she loved Elvis and, uh, you know, Harry Belafonte. And, that's um, a, that's so I was amazingly like, good stuff, though, man. Elvis. Oh, yeah, totally. No, totally. Yeah. It, it really, it's, yeah. it's, set, it's set within me like a real strong... Uh, pulled towards music that had you know melody um harmony you know i really that real those pop books yeah um yeah so even you know and even so even with the clash obviously like um i didn't go as deep into the punk thing at the time that you did um because for me it was definitely there was a songwriting element that i really you know the clash uh, for me uh always had this this poppiness or this you know I don't know, singability. There's this like thing about it, but it was still, it still felt super, yeah, dangerous and like, you know, not, this is not your your mother's record collection anymore kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting what you're saying because uh, like we both had musical backgrounds. My father actually is a musician, he's a professional musician. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. although, and, and and my mom was an artist and so on, but there was a slight generational difference between our families. Your father was a little bit older, right? Um, and I believe your I mother so. might have been, right? So you, what you're describing is like the music they were listening to was more from the 50s, right? La Bella yeah. Fonte and, and my parents, it was all 60s rock and roll, kind of like the Beatles on kind of thing, right? So yeah, in our homes, yeah. we had different backgrounds there. And I don't know why I dive harder into the punk thing. Maybe I needed to define myself more from my family or something, but it's interesting. Maybe yours was less, what you're describing would have been less, um, not less known, but, you know, all that stuff, I think, like the Belafonte and all that would have seemed really old. I think even in the 80s, sure. right? Yeah. Whereas like the Beatles and the Stones still wouldn't, I mean, they would have been old too, but not, 
the same. They would have felt more kind of current, I think, if I'm just trying to remember what it felt like in those days, right? I mean, I remember you and me standing by your front gate because you, you lived on the big house on the corner, which is yeah. a super cool lot. I remember being at the front gate on Lyle Avenue and singing like uh, Joan Jett. And oh, yeah. I love rock and roll. <laughs> I love rock and roll. Yeah. I remember that, and we even had a conversation. Right. I remember it was you or me. One of us didn't wear, would never wear shorts. Or maybe neither of us did because we had to wear jeans. And right. I, right. I, and we were talking about, we were singing that song. You know, I remember singing like another one bites the dust. Anything with like, you know, there's. Like, I remember that. I remember. I yeah. remember the, the, the singing that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that was a huge hit. Devo was that was a big hit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, the catchy things to this day. You know, uh, kick drum, hand claps, acoustic yeah. guitar, multiple voices singing something like choruses or background bar room. Kind of, yeah, yeah. It, it just like it goes right to the you know right to the core of me. You know that it it. Uh, you can catch me real easy um, with a hook, with hooks like that, you know. Sure. Well, what, you, what, yeah. you're what you're describing too is, I mean, a good pop song. There's you could you could make a list of certain things, and you've listed them, most of them. It's a couple of minutes, right? Two, three minutes. You yeah. mentioned earlier in the podcast. You sometimes hand clapping is so cool. Yeah. Pop song, right? You've got background chorus vocals, right? You yeah. know, you've got. Uh, 16 bar usually if you're getting more technical right to go to the usually they're 16 bar right um i should right. also mention that i also played music you, you're a musician we should tell yes. listeners you're a bass player right so yeah before i even could admit that i was a musician because i still to this day have you know insecurities about being you know you know lacking music theory and all that stuff again kind of coming from the clash the do-it-yourself kind of like just doing it kind of thing and not, I don't even know what these chords are called kind of thing. Um, so I, you know, but before I could call myself a musician, I definitely could call myself a bass player because right. that's, right. I picked it up. you knew I, how to play, right? You played. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and I did, you know, as of high school, right. I, you know, um, I was playing bass in bands that were playing around the city, you know, so, right. you know, maybe not making a lot of money, but as far as I was concerned, I was a bass player in a band, you know, even well, as a teenager. That makes you a musician, so. in my view, right? Yeah. Yeah, more than me, right? I mean, I, I, I played drums and I played bass, but I, I never played in clubs or anything, so, I mean, right, <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, I'm, but I'm just saying, it's sort of like, for me, like, it was, it, uh, you know, because, again, I'm, a, you know, in that scene, playing with a bunch of other mostly older bands who are kicking ass, you know, and can, you know, can play whatever. I mean, you, you know, and I, I felt like kind of that imposter syndrome, you know, but right. what I could say, even at the end of the right. night, you know, even if my band sucked as the opening band or whatever, that I'm a bass player, you know, mm -hmm. but eventually that became songwriter as well. And, you know, I sort of became more comfortable as a just calling myself a musician, but yeah, at my core, uh, the instrument that really, is me is is the bass for sure why is that what is it about it i don't know man it seems really i love the maybe, bass i mean i play bass yeah too, you know i think i think you know this and this might um uh, i'm just sort of riffing here but i this goes to also my painting but i'm really as an artist i'm really into limitations and uh you know uh like when i paint i if i can reduce my palette down to three or four colors. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. You know, uh, and still say what I want to say with that. You know, again, um, you know, and Lou Reed, you know, with chords and stuff, Lou Reed's, you know, what's his quote about jazz? You know, one chord good, two chords 
you know, <laughs> okay, three chords jazz, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, there's a, it was so like, what is it? Uh, the 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 rock musician plays, you know, two two. What is it? Two. Um, uh, he knows two. Um, is it chords? Right, E and an yeah. And then and and yeah. plays in front of twenty million people, and the you know the jazz musician knows twenty million chords and plays in front of two people or something like that. Is that yeah, right? <laughs> something like that, right? I mean, I'm, not, I'm definitely not putting it down, but I, I I gravitate towards those those kinds of things, those drones, those one two chord, three, you know, three chord things, and don't overcomplicate it. If you don't have to, I mean, if you if it takes you 18, 20 chords to to tell a story, then do it, you know. But I think for me, and it's this comes back to your question about the bass. There's there's limitations to the bass. I mean, at least for me, you know, I mean, the four strings, uh, you can play chords, you can play all kinds of styles on it, but um, it seems slightly more limited than a guitar. Um, I think it and, objectively is. It, you, you, yeah. Playing chords on a bass is almost impossible. I think you can do it, but... Well, a guitar, a, a, you can play, you can pluck a guitar like a bass if you want to, but you don't have yeah, to. You can, you can, you can strum can. a guitar. A guitar has more strings, literally. So there's actually fewer strings on a bass, typically. They're right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, you're asking a question that I'm kind of answering intellectually and really, you know, when it's, it's a hard the, thing. It's a soul sense that you like it really more, is. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's right. That would be my first answer when I have to try to articulate something, but really, um, uh, it just feels good. It feels really good to me. I feel it, I feel comfortable. You know, you know when you're in the right automobile, you go right. to the right party. Yeah. You know when you're in the wrong party and in the wrong <laughs> car. You know, you just know it. And to me, uh, the bass just feels so good in my hands. And I, mm. I can say things with it. Um, I can sort of express myself with it better than the guitar. And I, I've been playing, you know, guitar a little longer than the bass. I learned... A few chords at some point back then someone taught me but um back in high school but i realized you know pretty quickly that the bass was uh was just my jam yeah so that you're describing again a kind of a sensation i i mean if, if ever i were to go back to playing music me it's definitely the drums you know, oh cool i didn't know yeah. that man. I, I played drums for a few years and like when i listened what you know i don't know if this, this maybe was because i played drums but all of the music I listen to is very similar to what you're describing. It's it's very sort of a lot of it's drone like and everything. But I also I like a really bass and and rhythm heavy music. I love a lot of reggae yeah. and I love a lot yeah. of you know Caribbean musics and African music and really rock yeah. and roll. Like I love the kind of hard kind of Rolling Stones kind of like harder, more deep feeling music and not complicated stuff. Like not the yeah. You know, so it sounds like we have a similar musical sensibility just in in terms of how we approach, you know, the enjoyment of music, it sounds like. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is a, it, I think music should be a gut thing. You know, and it's, yeah. it's funny. I was just thinking about this today, you know, and, and talking to you about, you know, I was thinking, you know, about various questions you're going to ask me and influences. Stuff. And I, I, I came across David Bowie and, um, you know, in my sort of in you know, floating in there in the lists of my favorite artists, you know, and right, right. And although Bowie would definitely be in the top 15, top 10, maybe, um, I I don't connect with Bowie uh, emotionally. Like, Interesting. Interesting. I love, I, I'll, I can go whole days, weeks on a Bowie kick and like 
get into it and like a lot of things you know i uh, i get obsessed with stuff and I, I can listen to albums you know when they're over i put the needle back to the beginning yeah, yeah i do that you know over and over again right? yeah. and i can yeah. do that with bowie like with any of them but uh, but emotionally like uh, he i just it's not it viscerally it it just isn't it it doesn't connect like other things do for me and that's it reminds me of like as an intellectual which i which i slip into um i you have a brain and you know how to talk yeah so. yeah but i can <laughs> right. appreciate music on an yeah. intellectual level right where it's not visceral and it's not and i'm you know i'm in, interested in something i really i'm really interested in some how people are expressing themselves and you know not just interested but really invested but there's a difference when it really hits you on a guttural kind of level when it really just you know you know when it speaks to you and i don't trust people that haven't had those experiences you know yeah and i met a few of them you know we're like they'll put some music on and it's like oh you like this and like yeah well you know it's music or whatever it makes you dance and it's like wow you know um <laughs> it's like you've never been in love dude yeah um, but anyway yeah, yeah. you gotta feel it right <laughs> yeah. it can be answered on a bunch of levels but you and i for sure i think we you know we had a, a strong musical uh background you know, and I think that that comes from, you know, even in the womb experiences, what our parents were doing. Sure. And it, um, uh, I think if you I think, you know, what music uh, w when it really moves you, you know, and sometimes it's, you know, what people have guilty pleasure. Right? Sometimes it's not always what you wish it was, because maybe it's not as cool <laughs> as what other people would think to. But it's like if it if it yeah. strikes those, those whatever those strings inside you, man, holy crow. Well, you know, thing. I mean, just on, on, on an example like that, I mean, there's a lot of commercial pop music. Like, I remember when I was a kid having, because my, my dad and I talked about music all the time and stuff. So, because I remember him telling me, uh, you know, he was like, oh, I got to show my son some rock, real rock and roll or something, because he thought all the pop music in the 80s was shit or something, you know. Right. So he's like, I remember he, he put on Bill Haley in the comments. He's like, this is the first rock and roll song or whatever. No, okay. But then he yeah. put on Chuck Berry. And I was yeah. blown away, man. I was like, yeah. so fucking good, man. This like I've, yeah. I've, been, I've been a diehard Chuck Berry fan ever since that day that he put on Amazing. what is it, uh, you know, roll over Beethoven or whatever, you know, like he, you know. But but one of the things, you know, he he understood music in the way you're describing. He studied it, uh, you know. Yeah. I'm sure he feels it too, but he had gone and learned classical music. He's, you know, and all this kind of stuff and, and everything and, and become, uh, you know, really deep into that. I, yeah. I'm not sure. But just, I remember having a conversation with him, just what I wanted to tell you. So, and I remember there was the monkeys, uh -huh. you know, somehow the monkeys came up and he was like, you know, this is a long time ago. I'm sure he can appreciate the monkeys now, but yeah, it's like, oh, they're they're they were they're just a television group. They're terrible. They're no good or what? I remember like, well, what about take the last train to Clarksville? It's a pretty good song. Yeah. You no, know? and he's like, it's oh, great. like a boring, stupid, blah blah blah. You know, but I listen <laughs> to the Monkees. I love the Monkees. Like, totally. and they're like an invented. They're like a boy. They're the original boy band that were literally made up, and they're good. I mean, I mean, they're ignoring the good, fact that those you know? guys, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> ignoring the fact that those guys wanted to write their own songs when they got hired on that show maybe not all of them but definitely you know there's a couple of where like we were, we were under the impression that we we're going to be writing our own songs you know but aside from that uh something to appreciate about you know that that whole boy band or you know the sort of the packaged thing um 
again, I came to this kind of later in life, but you know, me too. Um, me too. <laughs> it's important to it's yeah. it's really important to to I think uh, dissect um, what you're really good at. And the two main the two main things I, I sort of think about when I talk about that is there's the, there's people who write music and there's people who perform music. Right. And right. Um, they're not always the same people. Sometimes they they're are. They're not always the right. same people. Yeah. You know, and I don't think and I, you know, maybe I got this from watching a Britney Spears concert. I, my girlfriend walked in, on me, you know, on Friday night by myself watching Britney Spears, like, uh, you know, on stage. And she was like, almost like caught me watching porn or something like, what the fuck are you? doing you know <laughs> and i i think i was having a moment you know where it was like you know this woman is working her ass off and she's on very good and she's Not very an good she's commanding yeah. all these yeah. people i don't know how big that venue was but it was a stadium full of people and at that point who cares who wrote the fucking song i mean yeah. i do because yeah. i'm a songwriter so it's interesting but it really it really hit home that you know uh, and to, to bring back to the monkeys like those guys and maybe they didn't even perform the song. Maybe it was pre-recorded. You know, I don't remember. But um, it is a good point to remember that um, these are not always the same person delivering the same talent. And yeah, it's not. It shouldn't. It shouldn't diminish the enjoyment of the thing. For sure. For sure. I mean, it, you know, if if, it, if you enjoy it, and it's you know, and it happens to be a, it's like it's like I don't like Marvel movies. But yeah. if somebody likes to go see a Marvel movie, like Marvel movies are well made. I mean, they're you know yeah. they're they're yeah. they're they're produced in a clear, coherent way. They've got you know they, they, they I don't know whether they're using Chat GPT to write the scripts yet. I mean, I'm sure Chat GPT can write a pretty good script too, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> so, but it still could be. Well, good, I don't know. Right? I mean, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I could. I I definitely would argue that Tony Stark is uh you know is Robert Downey Jr. I mean, that guy does an amazing job playing Iron Man. Mm -hmm. Um. But is he, you know, does it rank up there with some of his other best performances? I mean, maybe it, maybe it does. But it's, you know, again, uh, yeah, you don't necessarily judge the whole. Uh, you don't need to judge if you're enjoying an aspect of it, or you understand the artistry that goes into the thing. Yeah, that there's. Well, like... I think what we're talking about here is the difference between art and maybe craft, right? Like what you began the discussion talking about is art where you're really yeah. focusing on how to create something that's never, you know, that's never existed before, at least in this plane of existence, and also to express yourself as an individual in some way, right? Yeah. So if you look at the Marvel movies, they're not that. You look at Breaking Bad, that's Vince Gilligan well, as, as an artist, like actually bringing something new to the world. And and, and the yeah. Marvel movies are a bunch of team of committee of people, right? I, I'm, I'm totally winging. Well, you know more about it's it. It's easy but. to say. I, I don't know. I don't, I, I, you know, I mean, we've talked politics before and we're, I don't want to get into it, but um, <laughs> necessarily, but you know, it's, it's something it's, it's easy to forget that the, there are, because it's a big machine, you know, the Marvel thing or Hollywood in general is this big machine that turns out, you know, and I, you know, in my head, I, when I say that, I think about Pink Floyd's the wall, you know, like, I think yeah. this animation, the meat grinder, like, meat grinder, yeah, you know, yeah, the animations yeah. and the hampers walking and stuff. And I, I see this thing, you know, it's easy to forget that there are people in there and not just people, but yeah. people who, um, yeah, of course, they're getting paid big bucks to do this. Maybe they wouldn't otherwise, but also they're doing a pretty stellar job. Like for like Robert Downey Jr. specifically, um, really transcends 
the thing, you know, in my mind, yeah. I watch him and I go, this guy is, is like, he's like walking around with like, what would be, you know, like, uh, ancient deep sea diver equipment, you know, <laughs> iron boots. He's basically loaded with this shit, you know, bad writing, super slick production, you know, trope after trope of boring cliche. And yet this guy still, he's killing all it that, yeah. through the filter, you know, and not even live on stage, but like has to buy, has to go through the camera, the camera, the image has to be processed, has to be edited, has to be, you know, blah, blah, blah. And still this guy's, delivering a performance that cuts through all that stuff to me that is something to talk about i mean you could definitely take it or leave it you know marvel movies but i think the artistry it's i think to just blanketly say that you know it's not art no you're right you're right it's probably what you're saying yeah just i just quickly wanted to say something about what you're saying is that you know they might be majority this kind of machine type thing but there are people individuals within it who are doing great art within that whole craft network of massive you know production you're describing yeah. robert downey jr is one person who's shining through let's say is yeah accurate to frame it like that is that i don't know yeah well you know and and i think your but your point about um what is an art and what is craft is a valid point too i mean i don't i would definitely not want to be the expert to you know where that line is between art and craft. Probably not I, obvious. It's probably very hard uh, to find where it is. Or, right? or yeah. It's very, yeah. Yeah. Or it's very personal. Um, you know, because someone's, you know, because you know, I don't want to get too specific here, but I, I can be really picky and I am really picky about the things I like and what I consider art and what I don't consider art. <laughs> I don't I'm not sure I'm gonna write a book about it, but uh you should. it's very personal. I mean, I mean it's could. maybe one day, but you know, it's it would offend a lot of people. I have a lot of friends who I consider, <laughs> you know, creative people, and right. I I didn't I wouldn't want to diminish their um, uh, self esteem. Yeah, what, what they're doing, you know, but it's it's there is a big difference, and maybe maybe I'm misguided in saying Robert Downey Jr. is an artist, but um, there is a big difference, you know. I, he's a and, great actor. Yeah. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is is a like one of the best, as far as I can tell, in in in, in, yeah. in films. Uh, you know, I, I I I use the Marvel movies as an example. I mean, it's it just it's a good one. Yeah, it, it, like basically what I see. This is a side note onto the visual domain, but I kind of see like a like a split where where Hollywood films have become these sort of machine craft producing things and then all the series yeah. television is where all the individual artists the vince gilligan's and all that have migrated over to now that's a gross generalization there are you know yeah. there's a lot of crap being pumped out on netflix too that's all formulaic and then there's great you know robert downey jr is amazing in iron man or whatever on the on the big screen right so yeah i think that just that's that's sort of a general distinction there but let's let's bring it back to music and, sure. and uh and um and let me ask you this: What do you think yeah. about Mal- Malcolm McLaren putting together a boy band in 1970? <laughs> Great point. I mean, this is yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful. Oh, just to be clear, what we mean: the Sex Pistols <laughs> were 
um, a uh, they, they were a creation. For, tell me if you I think this is true. I believe it's true. Malcolm McLaren went to New York in the 70s and he saw a band in, in CBGB's, the New York Dolls, who I'm yeah. sure those will know. I love the New York Dolls. I think they're fantastic, you know, for the same yeah. reasons I'm sure you do. And he was like, wow, this is so great. These guys are so fucking raw and they're so wild and everything. I want to bring them to London. So he went back to London and he was trying to bring them over. And then they, by the time they were going to come, they broke up. And so... Uh, he right. was, well, I can make my own band. So he got, you know, a bunch of these sort of, you know, uh, actually some good musicians. I mean, one of the guys in the Sex Pistols was quite, quite well trained. Uh, Steve yeah. Jones, was that his name? And then, yeah. And, you know, Johnny Rotten had to learn how to, or no, Sid, who's the one who had to learn how to play guitar um, in the Sex Pistols? I forget. Uh, well, Sid Vicious was a bass and he couldn't play bass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he couldn't do much except shoot smack, really. But he was cool. I mean, he had a sensibility about him, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to answer, answer your question, I mean, the Sex Pistols revolutionized rock and roll. And I, I had Sonny Greenwich on the podcast and he... I mean, he brought, like you said, the 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 the, the dolls were um, were very underground at that time. I mean, it's it's you know you can go that's Spotify right. that. Yeah, they were in New you York. Stream and that's that shit it. right now yeah. if you want. But yeah. back then, that shit's hard to find. There's this little scene happening, a really cool little scene, and um, yeah, I, I think it's 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 like the Marvel movie comparison is there. You know, uh, you know, he Malcolm McLaren brought that idea of what the dolls were. To, to the uh, massive audience. audience, yeah, 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 by packaging it, and let's not also let's not forget about Vivian West, uh, Westward, yeah. who's uh, you know a, again a, a crap, not a crafts lady. She's an artist, you know, and she the visual piece of the Sex Pistols was also huge, you know, That's right. and That's right. So the whole thing was kind of put together, even though it was like, you know, it wasn't. Yeah, you know, I, I, I see made. your point. Yeah, your point is that. This is a case where the the craft and the art are intersecting in a certain way. There's a kind of the, the yeah. commercial creation, but it's very much done through an artistic sensibility. Is that kind of what I mean? Yeah, and I think my right. point. Yeah, yeah, and my point as a pop guy, you know, like, and, I, and I'll use pop music in its in its widest term because that's how I like to. I I really hate the over genreifying, you know, music. But so, um, but I was as a pop guy. What's the difference? You know who cares? You know, do I care yeah. when I when I go through on the Bollocks <laughs> record that that you know Malcolm yeah. McLaren kind of came with this idea? No, man. There's enough personality and anger and piss and shit, uh, you know, that, that in those records that I'm fucking I'm so invested. You know, yeah. um, it's a I great album. I mean, that they made that yeah. one album that was yeah. you know that was and then they just did well they fell apart or whatever. And that you know was yeah. Sonny Greenwich when he was on, he mentioned how that album was instrumental in his becoming uh, a pop musician as well. I mean he's he's born yeah. about 10 years before us. Uh, so he, so when he was a teenager that was a thing. He also yeah. pointed out how the riff if you listen to I forget which song he was referencing. He pointed out how the, the the guitar riff had a kind of a poppy quality. I forget which song. I'd have to go back and re-listen to it, which I, I, that stuck with me when he said that, you know, how, mm -hmm. but, you know, because even musically, they had a kind of, even though they were these, you know, fuck the system, they, they were actually, they had three minute songs. You could sing them, yeah. the stuff we talked about earlier, right? They had all yep. that stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. So the Sex Pistols definitely are up there on your uh, influences list. It sounds like you know right? they are, but they weren't. They like like I said earlier, you and I kind of diverged a little bit. You kind of went more into that world. That's <laughs> true. World yeah. earlier, and it took me a while to get. It usually takes me a while to get back to like the source. You know, I call it the I I call it uh, like I get really into the derivatives. And then I find the source. Work uh, it happened with the Velvet Underground yeah. for me. Um, yeah. um, so I came back to the Sex Pistols later um, when I was kind of I wasn't totally ready at this at the time. The Clash I was obsessed with, um, but the but I didn't go far beyond it into punk specifically of the genre at the time. So it was like, but, but yeah, absolutely there. They're up there, you know. We, we were into another thing I'm remembering now, too. I don't know how much of this that I've rediscovered, you know, that I've found that at, I thought at the time was sort of tacky, but I've learned is actually really good was Tears for Fears. Oh, for God, example. Yeah. I mean, they are so, so good, the people, you know. Yeah. That's and I, at the time, I was like, oh, this is so tacky Brit pop or whatever. But as I yeah. get, as I've gotten older, I'm like, these guys are like amazing. You know, even Duran Duran are very good. Yeah. And then they were pretty sure. big and they were in the air at that time. We were hearing. Yeah. I think, I think there's a little bit of unfortunateness uh, in the production of the 80s. You know, the things, things got a little lost. And I wonder how, you know, you know, Hungry Like the Wolf or whatever, Girls on Film. <laughs> yeah. Like, how would that be? A, approach today if, if rick rubin you know if durant is this Great young question <laughs> this young bunch of young 20 year olds went into rick rubin's studio and said here's here's like here's what we've been writing you know and and and, yeah. and, and women have because you know part of why i don't really listen to those records and there are there's like there is it's great Duran Duran, a lot of that stuff uh is great pop i just i can't I get hung up on, on the production, just the way it sounds, you know. Like some of it's is it, good. Is it, I mean, the synth, is it the synth sounds like like I love Eurythmics and I love Tears for Fears. Like those two are like emblematic eighties. You know, right? we, you remember that one record, that one fix record? I was obsessed with that. Oh yeah, the you know, fix. Were, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember we listened like, to that. When you were going more yeah. into the punk thing, I was definitely on the new wave. Uh, I was more in the in the synthy, the Cars. You know, I uh, love the Cars that, now. What was yeah. that fix record though? Reach the beach. Reach the beach. Yeah, that was. I think John Rallier, a friend of ours, he turned yeah. me on to that album, and then I guess I listened to it with you because I I actually still remember those songs. And I still yeah. have them in my head, like because it was that. Saved by Zero. So much. And that's very good. I mean, that's a band that's completely like whatever happened to them. They kind of. I know one or two gone. records, and then gone. Yeah, on and they they were they weren't as big as Tears for Fears or or uh, or Eurythmics or something, right? But they were yeah. kind of one of those side bands. Yeah, right. so that that stuff influenced you as well. Just on this point, you mentioned about working backwards. You know, when I I got I was in the punk thing when we were we were kids or whatever, and then we diverged, and then I got really into like a lot of like hippie sixties stuff, and I started listening to the Grateful Dead and like. I went to see the Grateful Dead a few times and all this kind of oh, stuff. Wow. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, you know, and all this, I was big into that. And then later on, when I, when I moved to Montreal, I started getting, I started working backwards into the punk stuff. And this, I wanted to ask you about this. So I, I, I got, as I got into my later teen years, uh, and then when I came to Montreal, I was huge into Iggy Pop. And I still... Yeah. I'm like a massive, I love Iggy Pop. I think he's just, yeah. he, he's everything you were describing about the kind of the artist, like the, I feel like he's like, if he's writing a song, he's, 
he, he's like like you were describing trying to find the thing in the yeah <laughs> you know like yeah. I can sort of imagine him you know sort of trying to oh like just writing it down and kind of come up with the melody and stuff so um, I never get the sense that Iggy Pop uh, uh, could put out anything that isn't authentic you know yeah and and that might that might mean like David Bowie that might mean a bad record every now and then but it doesn't mean like it means that that guy is invested in what he's doing and that to me that is the artist that's the probably the differentiator between, you know, whatever, the commercial thing that we're talking about that we, you you want to be careful of. Um, and um, uh, I think what you were saying about Bowie, like Bowie, Bowie is, I mean, this is not to insult Bowie, but you were saying how you couldn't connect with him. He, he's kind of, he's the more, the more commercial artist who's yeah. doing it for, he's, I mean, this is, I, I don't mean any disrespect to David Bowie, but he's the Marvel movie and, Iggy Pop is the Martin Scorsese or something like that, right? It's, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that's a very crass way of framing it, but I mean, even as, when they worked together, who was bigger, right? I mean, it, you know, Iggy Pop writes China Girl, right? You know, and sings it on one of his albums and no one ever hears yeah. it. And then, you know, a year or two later, Bowie puts it out and it's like a huge hit all over the world. And yeah, I, I, I don't know how to think about that because I love David Bowie too, but I agree with you that David Bowie never he never touches me deeper in my bones the way Iggy Pop does. Even though I'm yeah. sure Iggy Pop is a uh, excuse me, David Bowie is a better musician. He can probably play more instruments and all this kind of stuff, and he's more his voice is probably better. He's got this deeper, more powerful operatic voice and everything, and he can do all that, but. I don't know. There's something about Iggy Pop that I can't quite put my finger on. I'm not sure, yeah. you know, how to think about that. By the way, just before um, you might want to respond to that, I, I should say what <laughs> I went to New York once in about 1992 or 93 or something, and uh, you know, and and uh, I, I was there, and they were making the Basketball Diaries, and I saw Mark Wall. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, and all this, and and so anyway, and, and so I went into a, a record store on St. Mark's Place, and I found um, Iggy Pop, American Caesar. You know, I don't know if you know that <laughs> album, and I was like, well, I don't really know it. Yeah, it's a, it's a great album. So I bought it and I came back and I was all depressed, you know, in my little apartment in Montreal, you know, and I was listening to Iggy Pop, and I was like this is so amazing. And I was listening to the lyrics and I was all into it. So I thought I'd write him a letter. So I wrote him a letter, forgot about it. And then, you know, about a year or two later, my aunt was living in the apartment, Neeson's mom. And, uh, and like a letter came from New York and Iggy pop had handwritten me a letter. Wow. I know, I know. <laughs> and it was handwritten. He had, he had obviously read what I like. I'd written him this long fan mail, like, "Oh, what do you wow. mean about this lyric or whatever?" It seems like it means this. Like it was all, you know, whatever. I don't even remember. And and so I remember. And and I, one thing I remember about that letter was he. Tell me about that letter, though, dude. Uh, no, I you know my folly of youth. <laughs> I, I used to I used to stay up late and do a lot of substances with a with a you know a friend of mine of some friends and yeah. this one guy I knew who's a little bit less reputable. He was a big <laughs> pop fan, so I used to show him and we'd be up doing coke or whatever and I, I think he stole it so it's gone uh -huh. but i am trying to use it this is i just want to mention this for listeners i i, I want yeah. to I'm, I'm i'm think i'm trying to find a way to reach out to iggy pop's people to explain this story to try and get him on the mega blast podcast because i could imagine oh, cool. him hunting yeah i could imagine him wanting to do a podcast like this he's like the fact that he wrote me a letter in 1993 tells yeah. me that he might want to so yeah, unfortunately, totally. it's gone. But um, totally. 
Are you a fan of his? Are you you like your I am. yeah? Again, I came I came to it later. Um, um, there's a, one of the last kind of band bands before I came down here that I I played in was called the Legendary Dirt Bikers, and we I, I wanted to um, mention them earlier. Yeah, great name. Yeah, we we yeah. so the cool the cool. I mean, I played with those guys in a previous band as well, but. The cool thing about that band, it was mostly a trio. Eventually, we, we got a, a, a solid drummer. But um, one of my favorite things about that band was that we all kind of came from uh, a very different... I mean, it, was, it, would, it could be described as a garage band kind of band. So um, obviously, that was a there was a meeting place, a contextual meeting place. But um, the best thing about that was the, the guitarist, Fred, who was my co-writer for a long time, was a huge Stooges fan, MC5. The, I mean, he grew up next to Detroit, um, oh, as he okay. would say, Detroit. Nice. You know, yeah. and, and, um, um, and so he came with a very strong uh, garage rock, um, Motor City kind of vibe. And the other guitarist was more uh, Towns Van Sant kind of songwritery. Oh, you know? interesting. And, yeah. Yeah. And then mixture. The guy, you know, that, that's a really music. interesting mix. A mixture of styles to put together as 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 uh, yeah, yeah yeah so but all that to say that's kind of when I really started taking it seriously meeting Fred um and and you know sharing CDs and stuff um that's when I really got into Iggy and um and right. Stooges and, and that whole that whole, that whole thing, kind of okay. garage rock thing yeah so like I, I kind of came to some stuff later definitely one maybe one of my favorite things about being a musician is meeting musicians and with you know with a really strong taste uh in music and 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 not always things especially things that i've not heard of or not really connected to before and then you know making those connections through music is uh um especially playing in a room in a jam room and all that stuff kind of you know coming out you know it just yeah. comes out of the port you know and just mixes in the room um well, it's, well there's, um, there's, really there's an experience that musicians i mean keith richards wrote about this in his book about how he said you know Sometimes you go into a studio and you sort of record the guitar part. And he's, he's, he said, you know, it's just not the same. He said, there's something about when you get all the guys together and you just play together, like something happens. Like there's it's some everything. sort of like this other plane that you were talking about, you know, uh, yeah. something you know about how, how you mix to get like you, you kind of get together. You know, you. I used to play with I used to have that sense. You get into a zone. Right. Is that one yeah. way to think about it? I, I don't know. Yeah. It is. I mean, I was going to say, it's one thing to do it by yourself. You know, that that is magic. You know, you you know, it feels like you're Harry Potter and you suddenly open this portal, you know, and you're kind of like, oh, like, yeah. holy, holy fuck. You know, this is like I'm connected. What the to hell this. is in here? Like, how did I find? This? Yeah. <laughs> you know, or Jim, Jim Carroll kind of, you know, uh, vocab, you know, it's like it's the main vein. You know, you kind main of you suddenly yeah. open you the vein. You've opened the vein and it's like. Um, it's it's um, it's probably one of the it probably feels a lot like heroin. One of the things I haven't tried, but it's uh, it probably feels a lot like that. You open up this this portal and you're uh, you are completely somewhere else, and yet it doesn't even touch uh, the bliss of doing it with other people. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like sex, I guess. It's it's the difference between like the first time you come by yourself, yeah, and then the next, you know, and then when, when you, you come, someone else yeah, makes you, you come, have sex, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's a great comparison. Like the, comparing it to an individual sexual experience is can be amazing. Yeah. But if you're with somebody else and you have that, if you both really connect sexually, yeah. that's the same as yeah. connecting musically or intellectually. A great conversation too, right? You kind of it's just, very and then yeah. actually they are very close. I think the the sexual experience is very close to the musical experience, but they are also very different. And and it's one of the kind of things you can. Um, experience with someone on a platonic level that you just um, I mean maybe there's other ways I, I've never been an athlete I've never played on a team maybe it's it's similar to that or you know if you ask a business dude you know uh, what it's like to be in the in the pen with the stock exchange and you know <laughs> big traders and stuff I mean maybe there's similar comparisons but all I can tell you is there's, there really is like in my experience, nothing compares to like being in a room with some people, male or female, and having a spiritual uh, connection through through music. You know, maybe meditation is close, but it, I don't think it even touches actually making music with people because you you are you're manifesting on the spot in real time connected. I, I, I don't know on what level. I'm probably multiple levels um and like and you know speak i've not, never been a big fan of grateful dead but definitely like speaking in jam band kind of terms especially when you're not rehearsing a song that you already know but com com completely uh coming up with something uh out of the ether with other people um is 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 kind of one of the best things i've ever experienced you know yeah, the most magical things and and it's uh talking about chasing the dragon you know that that experience <laughs> yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Once you've tasted it, man, it's hard to let it go. So I've never been, you know, yeah. but I've never been interested in being a solo artist. You know, it's always for me about um, connecting with people uh, like-minded or not, you know, completely opposites. Like I said, the, the Stooges, who, yeah, yeah, Stooges the any, any yeah. further away from what I was, I mean, not really, but, you know, in some ways, you know, there's definitely like, obviously we're streams that were connected, but it's really amazing to make those connections and make new art, uh, you know, birth new art with people that in that, in that way. Yeah, well, it's also, I mean, you're describing the experience that musicians have when they play. We both were talking about that and you're talking about it. But there's yeah. also when a band is playing, I mean, the Grateful Dead did this, when they're doing that in the presence of an audience, there's something. Right, sure. Like, like why, you know, I, I experienced this during the pandemic, you know, um, like we had to do, I had to, I'm a teacher, I'm a, you know, in college, you know, so. Yeah. So we had to do it all on Zoom. So I figured out how to do it on Zoom, but I hated it. I mean, I just hated doing it on Zoom. It was, you know, and after I've been doing it for a while and then I went back, I realized what it's like. It's sort of like if you could tell someone you could go see Drake, you know, we got yeah. tickets to Drake or you could we can there's a live stream, you know, and you can and you can have a super 5.1 system in your home and you're at home. So you can smoke or you can drink or you know what I mean? You, yeah. you don't have to wait in line at the Bell Center. You know, it's cold or whatever. And then you go in and it's sweaty and everyone's moving around, bumping on you. I think most yeah. people would still go to the Bell Center because there's something about being in there and he's there like you're you're in the same physical place as him right and there's it does make all the difference happen right you know what's but that some people never experience that dude you know yeah. and, and, and it's like it's like travel you know some people never really leave home and you know and that's fine you know maybe that you don't want to but you, unless you until you actually have that experience of being in a right. sweaty club 
Because, um, you know, I remember being at an art, remember Art Bergman? I remember yeah. being, yeah. Like, he was like a local, you know, kind of scrappy musician in the Toronto scene. And I was a big, I was a big fan of a couple of his records. And I remember going out being, you know, I was, you know, if there was general admission, I was at the front of the stage and I wanted nice. to see the set list. I Stop boxes of guitars they're using, you know, and that fucking guy, he sweats so bad. Um, he, he's like, he might as well have had a hose, you know, like spraying the first few rows of like people wow. is like ripping wow. off his body. And you know, I think some people probably wouldn't be in, into that. And yeah, I remember thinking, yeah. like, I'm not so into it because it, you know, it's like I can smell it, it's really visceral, I can feel it, but there's there's something undeniably fucking great about it too, you know. Yeah. And um, <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's hard. It's, it's hard to quantify because I mean, if it's a club, yeah. you can sort of understand because it's small. But even even if it even if it's a big, you know, I went to see the Rolling Stones in Quebec City on the Plains of Abraham some years ago. Yeah, and it's a huge. You know, you're out there on the plains, right? You know, and yeah, uh, yeah and, and still it was amazing. Even you know, just just the yeah. just and they're old and everything, but just the fact of being there with them, yeah. I don't know how to explain what that is. It's, I, I, I'm not even, and, and the other thing is, you don't know, is it a placebo thing? Like, is it all in my mind? My, our minds are no. powerful, right? No, so. it's, uh, this one goes back to the Robert Downey conversation and the filter of, you know, being weighed down by the filters of, of a big machine. And not to say that the, the stones are that, but I think, and I haven't played in giant stadiums, um, but, or arenas, but I feel like that upscaling of what you're doing in a, in a dirty club um, takes a, a lot of experience. It takes how do we and and to get through the filter of being in the nosebleeds, you know, how do you talk to the people in the nosebleeds when you're, you know, Angus Young, um, you or, you know, or Keith Richards or whatever we're talking about. Um, that is something that makes or breaks a band and you at that level. You know, you you are the stones because you can. You can do not both, only right. You yeah, can, not only yeah. do you uh, can you go through that filter of talking to the people in the nosebleeds, you know, personally, uh, when you're belting out these songs you've belted out for forty years, you know, and should and you know for all intents and purposes should be fucking totally sick to death of, you know. But if you can yeah. do that, if you can do that on that scale, that is an experience thing. That is something that that you don't, you're not born with. You you develop over. Yeah. Yeah, you develop that shit. You you develop, you know, as, as as much as you're developing your sound, your the songwriting changes at that scale. You become more a little more anthemic. You you know, you are reaching um, deep into the heart of people, way at the back of the room on the plains, you know, on a giant field. And that that is something that um, that takes a lot of years of of work. Does that does that interest you at all? Like, I mean, imagine if if you're if you were to get more popular, you're you know, as we move towards closing, I want you to talk about your current music. Work. Yeah. But imagine if you if let's say you got back together with those two guys and you, you guys got really big and you had a chance to play. I, I imagine it might be an interesting challenge, at least, right? To at least I don't know, or is it just too big and too commercial? Or I, I don't know how you think about that. Uh. All I can say is I would love the opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'd be in. Yeah. I'd be all in. It must yeah. be really even hard. If it all exploded. It yeah. must be really hard on a technical level, as you were alluding to earlier, right? How do you yeah. get the sound yeah. to be the same when you're in a, an enormous space like that where 
right? It's very it's, hard. It's definitely easier now. I mean, right? I mean, imagine, you know, back then, if you went to see the Stooges in their heyday, you know, uh, or, you know, the, the great example, of course, is because it's well documented, is how bad uh, those Beatles concerts sounded because yeah. they just didn't have a PA system. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you people are screaming like you've got like 50,000 people at Shea yeah. Stadium screaming, you know, and, and you have this like completely inadequate, you know, PA yeah. system. But yeah. nowadays, dude, you know, I mean, I just read an article about, you know, people were like shocked, like, oh my, the edge isn't playing through amps at this like, you know, Las Vegas sphere. They have this residency in Las Vegas, you know, uh, Acton baby uh, reunion thing, oh, and okay. like they're shocked that he's not playing through amps, you know. And he's because he's got because you can get pedals that emulate the sound of that your favorite Marshall stack, right, or whatever. Really, and, really, and, yeah. yeah. And that's the truth. It's all it, you know. They we're living kind of in the future now, and you don't need you don't actually need to have an amplifier on stage with you to project that sound because huh. you're going through so many again all those filters, that huge sound system reaching this giant place, you know, the people in the back. Um, and yeah, there's going to be places in that field or in that stadium that sound better than others. But overall, the technology is just so great these days. You don't have to really, you're not as worried about those things. Yeah. Um, the technology at that level, advanced, you hopefully yeah. you've got a team. Yeah, yeah, speaking of, you know, Rick Rubin has a really good podcast. I don't know if you've heard. Um, mm. It's very, very good. I love yeah, he, yeah. He, he does. It's he, all audio and he talks to all these big guys. And he did one with Iggy Pop and they were talking exactly about yeah. it. Iggy said that in the early days when he was going to shows in Detroit, I guess this is the 60s or whatever. He said he would walk around the room to try and find the best place. You know, he, you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he said in totally. some places you like couldn't hear the bass at all. You hear the drums would be blasting or whatever. You move somewhere else. You couldn't hear the drums. It'd just be the bass and then over here, the guitar. And you try and find the right place where they were just mixed correctly. And they, yeah, you know, uh, that's what mixing is. Sound mixing is how to get it. Yeah. It's not right. These individual elements, right. They have to be integrated together or something. Right. So yeah, I mean that that goes a long way to really illustrate that Iggy cares a lot, you know, about the sound, you know, and at, at his level in those kind of uh, venues, on on an indie level, I can tell you that that's that's kind of automatically what you do if if you're at the level that you have your own sound guy, and I've done a couple of things like that tours where you bring your own sound guy along, um, you, you can kind of start trusting that um, that they're doing, you know, they've got your best, they know your sound, they know. You know, when the solo comes on, they, you know, the, the guitar, you know, right. the, the lead guitarist right. gets a little boost, you know, but the the level just below that, that indie level just below that, where you showed up in some bumfuck, you know, Minneapolis, some little sports bar, and you're supposed <laughs> to play to this guy who'd rather be home watching Mary with children or whatever, like, you know, you right. have to walk around the room. You have to check the, what he's doing and, and let him know, you know, let, let these, and this is why a lot of people, you know, you, you always thank your sound guy. I mean, I always, you know, I've pissed off if a they few do of them, a good but job. definitely, yeah, yeah you, you, these guys have no vested interest in you other than coming back next, next Friday to keep their job as sound guy, you know, like, um, who are you? And they don't know when, especially if you've got, you know, a bunch, if you're a kind of band that has different, uh, you know, I, and I've been in a band like that where you've got three guitar players and they all take solos, you know, who's, 
you know, are you actually sitting there listening to the band, this indie band that blew in from who knows where? And like, you know, are you riding those faders to make sure that that little solo gets heard or those riffs, you know, and all and the harmonies and blah, blah, and it's all EQ'd properly and, you know, all that stuff. You have to walk around the room. But to hear that Iggy Pop, um, yeah, I, I listen to that same yeah. podcast. To hear that he does it at his level, uh, it, it you can, it really, uh, it goes a long way to illustrating it. Yeah. You know, yeah, no, there's a, lot of- it, 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 there, there's a lot of sort of mundane things, but they're very important in, in music, you know, in, in, in the, the sense of live music. I mean, it's very, and it, just the room itself, the room you're in, you know, my, my yeah. dad talks about this endlessly about good rooms and bad rooms. And he's yeah. very attuned. Well, to he was that. an acoustic player, though, right? I mean, he was, yes. in, he was yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was French, French horn, horn yeah. Horn. Yeah. So, I mean, that guy needs a good room, right? You, yeah. you, you don't have, I mean, there may be some room mics around, you know, uh, to help depending on the venue, but mostly you're filling the room with the, the shit you're actually blowing with your lips, right? Yeah. One it's final huge. thing I'll say about that Iggy Pop thing was that he talked about how, you know, the way mixing has gotten better and better, but he, they, they also said that there's an argument to be made that if you go way back to when there was not even multi-tracking, he, they talked about Frank Sinatra, that they the sound guys would literally tell, they'd listen to the band, and then they'd say, okay, Frank, move over here. Like, stand a bit right. over here. You know, and the mixing, yeah. the, the way they described it was that the mixing was being done in the room, not by the guys on the boards, but just in the room floating together. So you yeah. got to move them, literally physically move them a little bit. And, you know, I, I found that really hard to... It's hard for me to understand that, but it makes a certain kind of sense if you have. A, it's it's right? totally logical, dude, and I and I don't know enough about it, but but sound coming out of any source, a guitar, you know, your vocal cords, um, an amp, it, it all it's gonna it goes in a direction depending on its frequencies, and it it hits uh, surfaces like walls and people, and it reacts differently. It bounces around, right, right. and and it, it's not just an art. It's it, I mean, it's not just a science. It's an art. You know, you people who build recording studios, who build venues, um, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and for sure, back in the day, yeah, man. You know, I mean, I've been in clubs as a bass player, especially you know, because I'm hitting frequencies that aren't always super pleasant. You know, I've I've rattled like the 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 lighting rig above me, like wow. the whole, like those big oh, bars man. hitting a certain note, you know. And it's not like I'm super loud, you know. I'm playing through a whatever two or four ten cabinet, you know. And it's wow. like, but it's 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 like those frequencies that break glass, you know. It's people just hit us. Doesn't have to be a volume thing, but a certain frequency can change a lot, you know. And that goes a lot that's back amazing. to what we're saying about. The visceral that, experience. That's amazing. Yeah, because the bass. I mean, it's it's a low end thing. So the, the lower the note, the the lower the frequency. So you get more physicality. We're just back to the physicality. Like low notes yeah. will sort of shake your insides in a certain way. Yeah. At high notes. I mean, they build high. weapons like that, right? Hey, they build. I mean, they're you know sonic weapons. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> And depending okay. on what conspiracy websites you're on, you know, like people get killed for getting certain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, as we move towards closing, well, why don't you talk a little bit about your, you, you know, you, you, your, um, you said you're doing a solo project and I don't know if you're getting back together with these guys. I, I know you did a show there in your town and yeah. saw on Facebook. Was that last year? I, I don't know. If you wanted to talk a little bit about what you're going into the future musically, let's say something like that. Yeah, well, I can tell you coming um, like the whole thing about moving here to uh, I live in Baja, California. Um, 
in this little town that, you know, I, I maybe I'm moving into the reclusive artist phase of my life. Um, like, <laughs> yeah. it, as you know, it's not always totally to be busy, like reaching me, you know, so I just, I just shut off. I bury myself sometimes. A lot of like coming down here was getting back to the, uh, the source, you know, getting back to the art of the thing. And um, even though my whole life I've been, um, you know, living as an artist, a freelance artist, you know, being in film, having a production company, there's like a lot of distraction to uh, that takes you away from the actual making of the art. And I missed painting and I missed songwriting. I missed really getting into music. The so we came, so the long story short is that I came down here to kind of get back to that where the right. overhead is lower, the inspiration is higher, and um, and I can really focus on those things, you know. And um, I have to say that the downside of that was it's a small town, it's a small scene, and although it's super actually robust and varied, the mute the it's a it's a really artistic town. So there's lots going on here. It's still like when you get down to the kind of music I want to make, finding the kind of players that would right. that I want to play right. with that can make you know even considering the dirt bikers and the different contexts that you you know you can bring all these diverse. I could bring jazz guys or you know, um, classical people, you know, flamenco players into my fold. And I, I have um, super interesting, you know, playing indie music with fl a flamenco guitarist. Um, oh, but like, cool. but yeah, yeah, and we'll talk about that if you want. But but basically, you know, um, the the overriding, you know, the thing was, I knew I was coming down here to be m more of a solo person. Right um, and right. and I've played with a band. I pulled a band together, a trio that's amazing. We play mostly older songs, you know, kind of my greatest hits, if, if you will, around town because it's kind of fun. It's nice to get in front of people and uh, you know on a semi regular basis and throw stuff against the wall that people you know clap at and whatever um, people dig. Audiences are great down here, by the way. They're really responsive. Right. Coming from yeah. a cold place like Toronto, but um, <laughs> nah, no yeah. digging. Mexicans are a little more enthusiastic than Canadians. Well, One way to think about yeah. it, but it's a pretty big international scene, and you know, it's as you know, as a, as a world traveler, I know you're a big world traveler. Yeah, that yeah. you take people out of their home, um, even the chilliest, most conservative places, and put them somewhere else, and they become new people. And this is <laughs> one of those places. Yeah, yeah. that's hilarious. But to, 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 to answer your question, I I came down here in the knowledge that I had to leave a really great. <laughs> reminds me of the Harry Belafonte song. I was like, you know, had to leave a little girl in Jamaica town, but I, <laughs> I had to leave a really, a really cool project in Toronto. It was just forming as I kind of left, uh, as I left to move to the West coast and down here eventually that, um, that a I was kind of having to go. You're talking about a musical project, you mean? In, in a musical Florida. project. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Just forming. yeah. Um, and we, we, and we actually reported, um, I mean, a, kind of a demo, but I think it's going to be released at some point. Um, I think I remember yeah, you, didn't you cut, sorry to interrupt, but didn't you cut a vinyl? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I remember this. With the dirt bikers, we cut a vinyl. Yeah, we kind of we did a, uh, oh, it was my dream to do a, like a seven inch single, like a 45. So we did wow, that. Wow, nice. Okay. So you were but that was a few getting together with these guys and you had this thing coming out and then you decided to split town something like that no it was more like i was splitting town and i kept on saying hey guys i'm like we should get our shit together because i'm going to be leaving in like six months or whatever 
And then it came down to the last few months and they're like, Hey, we should like get into a studio and record. This is a band called the Cola Tales that we, that I, um, um, uh, one of my favorite people in the world, Kirk Hudson, he's a, <laughs> a, a killer drummer. He's, uh, he's been my drummer through a few projects, um, yeah. going back to nice. just post, you know, college, uh, rock band wow. days, but uh, Long time. yeah, yeah. He, and, so and then a couple of new people that he introduced me to that are just like the most beautiful people in the world, um, uh, Paul and Leah and Clay. They we basically kind of we were jamming kind of loosely for you know maybe a year, eighteen months, and then we all kind of knew that day was coming. I had to kind of remind them, and they were like, "Well, shit, we should hit the studio and, and actually you know uh, solidify this these songs, this batch of songs." And so it was a little bit like a kind of a going away present literally on the day i left we oh. were we did a second day or a third day of overdubs um and um and that project will definitely it was never we never played live we never did a record release because the thing never really came out but um this so that's what i'm saying is the sad part about coming down here the good part is i came down here to focus on the art and get back you know make it a big part of my life uh, again right. and especially especially music which was getting sidelined um um, that I had to leave people behind that I was just starting to gel with and be a solo artist, which as we've I mentioned earlier, I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in, you know, I'm not Gordon Lightfoot. I'm not going to stand up there uh, or Neil <laughs> Young. Even, I wish, you know, yeah. stand up there and be Mark Gabriel with an acoustic guitar and, you know, regale you. Um, with That's not you. Song. You, you, not you, you need a crew, right? You need a bunch of guys. A lot of people, right? Me. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there's a bit of a fear piece in there, you know, like uh, being, you know, it's basically stripped down. standing up alone yeah. with a guitar, man. I mean, Jesus yeah. Christ. As a bass player, easy. being stuck with an acoustic guitar. I mean, what the yeah. fuck is that? Right? So it's like, <laughs> yeah. no. So on a lot of levels, but it, um, you know, but since, you know, and um, since I've been down here, I realized you know, that, that's one of the things I wanted to face uh, was getting up on stage by myself, make sure that. You know, at least I did it, and then it turned out to be pretty good. I play, I play sort of fairly frequently, just you know, song okay. of the night, nice kind of, uh, yeah, really intimate kind of cool things. And you sing, stripping down these sing, things, right? And I sing. I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. that we didn't get into much of that, but that was a huge. That's been a huge kind of path for me finding the voice, and um, and definitely, um, but being down here and focusing on a, the solo thing and the songwriting thing, um, taking that that do it yourself kind of uh, uh philosophy and 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 being a little more educated about it taking the songwriting to a new level learning wow. you know more about the you know the, the modes and uh, a little more theory and and that kind of stuff has been it's been a, a bit of a curve for me which has been great um but it's um so can i just can i just quickly i just want to understand so listeners understand so so what you're talking about is you, yeah. as you've been down there you've Put the bass down a little bit and you picked up a guitar and you started writing yeah. more songs and singing and even playing publicly in Todos Santos, right? Yeah. Like yeah. So so the, the brief history is that as a bass player in a band, um, in, a, in multiple bands, a chain of bands, um, I always wrote or mostly wrote on acoustic guitar at home. And then I would right, bring a right, song in right. to the to the band and 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 hand it over to much better guitar players right and, and pick right, up the bass right. which is where yeah. i'm comfortable i would still end up singing so you know as the last few projects do you, um, you sang lead vocalist. when you were with them yeah yeah you were yeah. Okay, lead vocalist okay right so except for yeah so for the last three or you know third three or four decades 
three decades anyway, I've been kind of focused, I've been singing, writing, singing songs, but I would play bass, you know, as in the band and, and surround myself with people who could play guitar great, you know, and focus on that. So, um, okay. uh, except for the last project, like I said, the Colotales was the first time I, I kind of stuck to guitar and, um, and, uh, which was a new experience, which is cool, which is really cool, super uncomfortable, but um, but being very exposing because all the time I'm writing these songs in my bedroom and then suddenly I'm kind of playing them, you know, right out yeah. in public. Um, even in a band situation, it freaked me out. But down here, it's um, it it, it, it freaked me out. It's become it's become a bit of a natural. Uh, definitely warmed up to the thing, um, yeah. but still, I miss. I like I like band situation. Um, uh, and that band is still happening. I have a, uh, definitely a, a, a live band down here. We haven't written much together, but um, all that to say, like, yeah, the, the other focus was was trying to get better at songwriting and then um, revisiting, uh, you know, 100 songs, like 75 songs, like a bunch of shit that um, I've been carrying around with me um, that either the bands didn't pick up at the time. You know, as a band, you kind of want them to be excited about the material you're bringing in. You know, they, so they feel it, doesn't... right? I mean, they, they yeah. have to be enthusiastic or else. And they have to make it the room. Yeah. Yeah. So there's been a bunch of material that kind of just sort of became, I call them gutter balls, you know, and bowling <laughs> talk. You know, they yeah. they kind of, I collect yeah. them. And uh, at, at some point I was like, well, I got to do something with this stuff. I still love, you know, they're all my babies right there. Some of them are better than others. But um, so, so it's more knew... your stuff. Like, like the difference between what you're doing now and what you were doing when you were in Toronto is – you've done most of the creation yourself and you're also going to be playing the guitar when like, I mean, you do that. Right. Yeah. And you're singing rather yeah. than just sitting in your, you know, in your bedroom or whatever, writing the song on the guitar and then handing over the song to the better guitarist and then stepping back. Yeah. The bass. You're more front and center now. Is that one way? Yeah. To yeah. It? And, and, you know, interestingly, on the, on the as, as far as recording goes, you can kind of do all the things, you know, you can, play guitar and bass at the same time and sing at the same time, you know, who knew, right? You just yeah. open up a new track and you can kind of lay it down. And so it's kind of nice to have that control. There's a few songs that we, I did play live that we just never got to record that were, you know, that with other bands that were in part of the repertoire of other bands that never really just got, you know, and they never got fully documented in a recording studio. So those will be, you know, they're revisited. They're yeah. maybe changed a little bit as I'm now playing the guitar parts, the solos, Wow. And um, okay. except for the drums, you know, I don't I'm not a drummer, so uh, I can I, I'm a good, good percussionist. But I, besides the percussing, I can't really do the the stick drumming. So I may bring in people for that or drum machine. I'm not sure. It depends on the song. But, yeah, the cool thing is that I can focus on that that thing and um, uh, and and puts and put, still put new material out. It sounds really cool. I mean, it's, it sounds like you you've gone on. A kind of a uh, discovery, a voyage of discovery a little bit. Have you gone down there? You went down there to focus more as an individual artist, like the, the, the visual art, the painting. But at the same time, you, you, you went on this voyage of discovery you've been on, right? Where, yeah. where you're like, okay, now I have to find me musically rather than just sort of like me in a group, I'm going to do this me only. That's what it, that's how it appears to me anyway. Just from Well, and to be honest with you, dude, it was even scarier for me. It was scarier than that. I mean, I, I being a little cavalier about it, but the, 
um, the crossroads what's, what's I was scary? at. What's scary? Is it just the fact that you're more exposed because you're the one? No, 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 no. The, the, it's, you know, music, it's always been received well, my music, but not maybe, you know, not like to the level I, I wanted it to. Like, you know, like you asked me about playing stadiums, you know, I, I would have jumped at that chance if someone put me on a tour as a young you, you and me. so many other great musicians. I mean, right? I mean Sonny Greenwich <laughs> and Chris Berry, yeah. the two two twos. I mean, these guys that are like fantastically good and they work for decades. Yeah. They, they got up to that level where they're right, kind of, you know, right. It sounds like you were at that, you know, it's because it's really hard to get to where the stones are. I mean, it's just fucking well, you know, but the, it's what you know, too, and it's right? not all it's built up to be either, right? I mean, you know, you know, like a lot of people can't can don't actually enjoy that level of success. Yeah. You know, they can't handle right. it or what you know, they're with Kurt the wrong type. Yeah. The yeah. Whereas topic. artists, it's just like this is not what I signed up for. You know, I wanted <laughs> yeah. to, you know, we had artists I just love doing the music. It. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. But, yeah. but it comes with a lot of other stuff, right? It's loaded, super loaded. But I, um, yeah, so I was kind of like, at some point as an artist, and a lot of people go through this, it's like, I've opened those channels, the songs are coming, I'm putting my heart into this, you know, at one point, do you go, uh, you know, all right, now it's time to go get a job, you know, or go to school, right? Like, right. Yeah. Gotta, yeah. You know, like, we've got to grow up, we can't be Peter Pan for, you know, forever, you know, we got to... To go, you know, go the bills, you know, move on, right? especially yeah. if you're not, yeah, you're not selling yeah. records, you're not, no one's signing you to some label, you know. So at some point, you go, like, well, okay, that's you know, time to wrap it up. But you know, the problem is, as an artist, the channel, I mean, you can close it, you can try and close it, that channel. But if you keep getting inspiration to write songs and it just keeps coming, right, it can be this, right. it can be a load, you know. So I was at this point where, you know, I didn't know, um, I come from film. I've been in film for 20 years and enjoying my life immensely on that side. But I kind of put the, I still was painting a little bit. I was obviously still playing music and writing songs, but they were super sidelined, you know, like as far as, you know, film is 24 seven, you know, and you're traveling the world, you know, whatever. It's not a lot of time to put into other things. Um, but when it came time to kind of like reevaluate what I was doing and like, do I actually want to ever finish these records? I'm, you know, these songs I'm, writing you know or do these paintings i'm i'm you know that are building up in my head you know do i you know um what is the thing i should be spending my time on so my problem was actually a crossroads of three writing actually is another thing but these three disciplines very diverse uh dis disparate disciplines um that they're connected they like i said creatively they come from the same source but which one because they're all full-time jobs, you know, and they all right, take a lot right, of lifetime. Yeah. Like we were saying with the Stones, it's a lifetime to get to the level they're at, you know. So, what do you put your energy into, and yeah. should you put it into anything? So, for me, I was at this crossroads, and I think what I really needed was an external, an external force to kind of come along and pull me out of, um, give me like some kind of uh, like illuminate a path, basically, okay. you know. And at that it, point, I was sort of like, did did that huh? did that. It did happen, and so yeah. recently I'm sitting here in my own gallery, right. painting stuff, you know, because I painted a few things. I mean, I wrote a few songs, I played a few shows, and people showed up, you know, even some full rooms, you know. Wow. But nice. it wasn't like paying the bills. It wasn't like, I don't know, for some reason, the painting was like, okay, this, I can, I can do this. You know, people yeah. were, you know, buying these paintings. Um, 
Uh, I needed. So you were drawn of... to back towards that for partly, partly for personal reasons, partly for commercial reasons. You were drawn back over to the yeah. painting. You were better able to make a living doing that, right? Is that yeah? Well, this is always the trick, right? We, you know, yeah. we need. We, you know, and I, I'm a bit of a sucker for a good life. You know, I. Yeah, my, yeah we, I, we, we all. Back in the day, we didn't call it foodies. Yeah. You know, my dad <laughs> was a gourmet, right? Austrian. Oh man, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we ate really well, you know, and I was like, you know, I, I've, I like traveling. So there's yeah. a bit of, you know, I don't know. You can do it. You can do it on no budget. I've met some really cool people who travel the world, you know. with Living with poor, it kind of sucks. Like being poor, poor, like being handsome. I mean, you know. I admit to being, a, you know, a bit of a privileged kind of person on that side. I really, yeah. I like <laughs> a bit of a comfort thing. But also as an, as an artist who expresses themselves, uh, I, you know, needed to, that still has to be the thing, you know, yeah, again, I'm yeah. not going to get a job, I'm not going to just, you know, get, get a job on, you know, Wall Street or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. No, it had to be, it had to make sense. I'm glad you mentioned uh, and So the music is a little, it's a little slow and uh, the plan, um, it's working out pretty great, but it's definitely the art has taken the, the, the front seat and the music is a little bit still in the back seat, which is frustrating. But, okay. you know, I think without a little bit of frustration, and like I said earlier, nothing's worth doing, Unless there's limitations, you know. Unless well, yeah. Kind of like I mean, you know, we can't trouble. avoid uh, negative emotions like being frustrated. I mean, they're, they're a part of life, yeah. too. So you got to kind of it's live. It's all good. Yeah. You know, um, so that's really cool. Okay. It's, it's a good place to end. I also, um, because yeah, you've, you've opened up a lot of cool stuff for the next one, the stuff about the, uh, you know, the gallery and the, and the, um, you know, the, the visual art and all that stuff. There's still a few things I want to get back to on the next one about our personal life, but I'm really glad you mentioned your father because um, he's passed away since we've seen each other. And he, yeah. he was just such a great man. And he, he really f helped form me in a lot of ways. He, uh, you know, he was very influential on my brother. You know, my, my parents were splitting up and then he, and your father was really, he was a great man. Your father, he was an Austrian immigrant and he started his own, his own business and had a family and he was, he was very erudite and he could, he had this Austrian accent, you know, when he spoke English, spoke beautiful <laughs> English and he, you know, and, and, and he could, he could sort of, I remember him telling, he would, he would talk about holding court. Like he was all proud how he could like tell these things yeah. in front of a room and stuff, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. Just to close a little bit, do you feel you get any of that performance from him in any way? I, I don't know. I mean, dude, com completely. You know yeah. I mean? I don't know. I don't know about you, how you're feeling, but like there'll be, they'll, I would walk through my day, uh, walking through my day and suddenly I'm like, Oh my God, I'm my, I'm my father. Yeah. You know? and, <laughs> yeah. and I say that with a huge, reverence point of pride, right you know but i'm yeah. um i couldn't have had a better dad like i you know i he, he, he was huge for me in fact like i mean one of the big frustrations um between him and i was that he was one of the best storytellers i've ever met and yeah but he didn't want to write he was like you said holding court <laughs> right right yeah. yeah i mean and that and that and I, there's a huge piece of my performance my my desire to perform that comes from that but I think even more primal is the the telling stories to connect with people. Yes. Is, uh, yeah. Is, it, is at the core of my art making. You know, it's yeah. it really whether it's a painting or music or you know whatever. Um, it's, or or it's, sitting around with your kids. I mean, like your dad did yeah. with us, right? That, <clears throat> yeah. That's it's amazing how powerful that is. I mean, a person who can yeah. do that is just you know, and and my father too was very good at this as well. He still is, you know. Yeah. 
because uh, I mean, that's what I mean, what, you know, if, if you think about what what you're doing and what I do as a teacher, maybe, too, is you're trying to connect with people and you're trying to use yeah. a kind of a, a, maybe a narrative form or an expression of some kind to get something across to someone. And you want a yeah. reaction. Like if you're a, a real performer, we'll watch the audience carefully and we'll literally or Right. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, Jordan Peterson said something about how w- when you're giving a, a speech to a crowd or to a group of people, you don't actually talk to the group. You kind of look around the room and you see you look into the eyes of people and you scan the room. You're actually talking to individuals. Right. Yeah. So you may have experienced this as a so, stage. I, I don't know that you actually kind of connect with individual people sometimes. I, I don't know. Yeah. No, of course you so, do. And it can be really emotional too, like with complete strangers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like your father, right? Who obviously is not a stranger. That's uh, you've. So do you feel just to, you know, do you feel that you've kind of taken what your, the, the talents your dad had and kind of you've been able to apply them? Is that maybe too much to say? I, I don't know. That- not at all no yeah. man, i'm definitely my father's son and i you know i would i would say if if anyone recognizes him and me i would say that's one of the best compliments i could get yeah okay yeah for sure all right well that's a great place to end listen mark this has been really great i, I hope this is the beginning of a number of them i'd like to do a, a quite a number with you because it i Dude, it's, it's been a pleasure it's like we, we haven't we haven't had we haven't spent much time together in the last 20 years or whatever so it's it's kind of like a, it's an excuse for me to hang out with you for an hour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, well, we I mean, can do that anyway. You know, if yeah, definitely. Yeah. Enjoying our conversation, I'm happy to jump on again and be okay. make it official. Well, you know, well hopefully, my, sure. if my if my girlfriend, we might be going to the Congo the, um, in the winter if she has this job or not. But if she doesn't have that, then I want to go to Mexico. So. I mean, life is hard, man. I, yeah. I, <laughs> all right, man. So so uh, so hopefully I'll see you in Mexico and. Thank you for listening to today's guest on the Mega Blast Podcast. I've been your host, Jason McDonald. This podcast is brought to you by Arts and Opinion, an online journal, which is also available in the permanent archives of Canada. Visit us online at artsandopinion.com. Uh, we'll sign off for now. I would love that. Okay, bro. Yeah. Hey, Jay, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah, man. No problem. See ya.